I'm Kate Daniels. Dr. John Putulil, while now retired, has had a long and deeply committed career both in research and also working with patients. Dr. Putulil is also an author, so shares great information readily available to us. There's diabetes, the real cause and the right cure, and there's surviving cancer, a new perspective on why cancer happens and your key strategies for a healthy life. And now also eat, chew, live, four revolutionary ideas to prevent diabetes, lose weight, and enjoy food. Now we have the opportunity to hear some critical insights and details from the doctor himself. Dr. John Puttahill, it is so wonderful to connect with you this morning. Thank you for being with us. I thank you for having me, Kate. You are such a, an important wealth of information, I feel, on so many topics of health. And uh, the big one these days is diabetes. We certainly are aware with all the publicity that it is at epidemic proportions. And yet, you know, since it's an epidemic, we don't seem to be necessarily getting a grasp on it. So I'm looking forward to your giving us insights on how we are able to then control it. And in your book, Diabetes, the Real Cause, the Right Curate Steps to Reverse Type 2 Diabetes in Eight Weeks, you have solutions for us. Yes. The first question is, what exactly is type 2 diabetes? First, let's clarify. We are talking about type 2 diabetes, not type 1. Quickly, the difference being in type 1, which the majority of patients are children or starts in young age, the pancreas does not produce enough insulin, a hormone necessary for cells to know there is glucose outside. And if there is not enough insulin in the body, the cells don't know there is glucose outside because the cell does not have a receptor on its wall, like a calling bell where glucose can ring and say, I'm outside. Only insulin can do the job. In other words, insulin does not get into the cell. It just informs the cell glucose is outside. And then the cell has to act to send in a transporter to load up glucose from the cell, cell membrane or cell wall and then bring it in. In type 2 diabetes, on the other hand, at the time of diagnosis, every person with a high blood sugar has also high, more than normal levels, in most cases, of insulin. So the question is, why, if insulin is outside, and why should the glucose level be high? For a long time, they thought there may be an obstruction to the contact between insulin or the dose, the strength of insulin, level of insulin is low, but they could not find a reason regarding the structure, the quantity or function of insulin molecule in adults with type 2 diabetes. Then, in 1940s, a, a researcher in Vienna came up with a suspicion, perhaps it was a hypothesis, that it could be because the cell is not responding to insulin. And they, thus came the theory of insulin resistance. It was just a hypothesis. It is a conceptual theory. It was not, never validated through a mechanism. Am I making it clear? Yes, you definitely are. I feel like I'm in a, an important classroom. So, yes, keep teaching us. Okay. So that being the case, the question is, 
what exactly is happening. I don't agree with that concept because that concept is making people think that we can overcome this insulin. Just to give you an example, suppose you have just finished a meal and I bring you more food. If you refuse to eat, can I say you are resisting feeding? <laughs> no. No. You just don't. Next, in, in, in a couple of hours, you may eat the same food. Right. A child who just fe has been fed refuses to eat. Are you still resisting feeding? So the cell, if the cell does not want glucose at that particular time, whether insulin is outside or not, how can you say the cell is resisting insulin? That does not make sense unless you can, ex uh, you can establish a, 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 a mechanism. With the, first of all, the, what I am suggesting is the cell does not have a reason. Why do I say that? If there is, the cell is not able to get glucose in and produce energy, there should be some evidence of decreased function of the cell. Right. Now, here comes the next very strange fact. That is, we have 200 different types of cell in the body. But the experts picked only three types of cells being resistant. Liver, muscle, and fat. Why? Not because they demonstrated a mechanism of resistance, but because that was convenient to explain the metabolic or the laboratory findings. That's it. Not because there was a, a, a mechanism involved. They, they could not explain one, but it was convenient. That is the reason. So I can say here it is not correct to say there is insulin resistance. It is a bogus concept. Unless I come up with an alternate concept, it, 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 is, it does not make any sense. So this is what I'm going to do. Let us say you ate your meal at 7 o'clock. I don't know what time do you normally eat, supper? Around 7 o'clock. Okay. Let's say you ate 7 o'clock. You have something with protein, something with fat, something with carbohydrate. Correct? Right. In about four hours, by 11 o'clock, all that has been digested. So the protein digestion will yield amino acids. The fat digestion, depending on the source of fat, whether it is animal fat, if it is animal fat, it will yield both fatty acids and cholesterol. And the carbohydrate digestion will yield glucose. So if I take blood at 11 o'clock at night, your blood will have high levels of glucose, fatty acid, cholesterol, and amino acids. The elevation of glucose will stimulate your pancreas to release insulin. And as I said, insulin is the one that knocks on the door of each and every one of 30 trillion cells in the body. To tell, let them know there are nutrients outside. Whatever you need, you pick them up. The cell has to let them in, whether it is glucose or fatty acid, the cell has transporters and openings to open only to take in what it needs. Four hours later, all the cells have been taken, what they need, and the leftover will come back to the liver. The liver has to process it for long-term storage. For cholesterol, there is no storage area, so the liver cleans it up, 
and if the liver has a protein, it puts a sticker on the, st the cholesterol. There are two different types. I hope we can talk about the HDL, LDL later on. Okay. Anyway, it processes the cholesterol and puts it back into the bloodstream. The fatty acids will be converted. Three fatty acids will be connected to a glycerol molecules. Now it is called triglyceride. That is the fat that we store. That when we gain weight as an adult, most of the time, or almost all the time, we are accumulating more and more triglyceride or common fat. For amino acids, there is no storage area. So it is converted into glucose, and the glucose, along with the glucose absorbed, will be converted into fatty acid, and the fatty acid into either fat or cholesterol based on your genetic makeup. Now, follow me. Give me another minute. You follow the, uh, the fat, that is the triglyceride, that is for the long-term storage, that is sent into the fat cell. We inherit the amount of fat cell, either lean or obese, based on our parents' genetic makeup. And we inherit that, and we are packing in the fat cell with triglyceride or fat. What will happen if the fat cells are completely full? The triglyceride will stay in the blood. The liver knows there is too much triglyceride because triglyceride is a fat that can stick to the arterial wall, the blood vessel wall. So the liver may not convert all the glucose into fat. Now the glucose levels start going up. And what do you call that person? Do we call that diabetic or pre-diabetic? It is pre-diabetic and later on if it goes up, it's called diabetic. So what I am suggesting is Diabetes is a condition where you have already filled up your available fat storage capacity. Oh. Does that make sense? Yes. Now, yeah. let me tell you the application of it. Right now, no one in the endocrine community knows, no expert can explain why a pregnant young woman gets diabetes or a lean person develops diabetes. Now, let's follow my line of thinking. Young woman with no previous history of diabetes, no family history of diabetes, gains 25, 30 pounds and become diabetic, called gestational diabetes. Why? They say placenta releases some hormone, but nobody has identified any. But follow my line of thought. She is eating for two people. She's encouraged to eat. Take this food. This is good for the complexion of the baby. This is good for the brain development. This is good for muscle development. She eats and eats. She can fill up her storage capacity in a matter of eight weeks. And when the storage capacity is full, fat storage capacity is full, her blood glucose levels start going up and she is becomes gestational uh, diabetic. The same with a thin person. He may have inherited only 20 pounds fat storage capacity. When that is filled up, glucose stays in the blood and he is a diabetic. A child, 10-year-old, 12-year-old, same thing. He cannot bring in fat cells online fast enough, but he fills up the fat storage capacity, he can become a diabetic. And all three conditions, all three stage people, if they lose weight, their blood sugar comes normal. And I think we have heard or seen that on some of those reality shows where people lose weight and they are able to go off their medications. And so you're giving us the science behind that. Exactly. That is what I'm saying. So 
Now, let me ask you this. If you are resistant to an antibiotic, will you take the same antibiotic? Not. No. No. With type 2 diabetes, experts are saying you are type 2 diabetic because your, your body is resistant to insulin. And what do they give you? Insulin. Okay. Right. Tell me. Explain that to me. Why? <laughs> yeah, that... Well, I, you know, we, we trust, I guess. We don't question. If we go to the doctor and they say, take this, we just do it, typically. Correct. Right? Yeah. That is, we, now we have to start asking questions. You know why? The main thing is the incidence of cancer is increasing. And insulin promotes growth of all cells, including cancer cells. That is the danger. That's the next epidemic, which is... In fact, I'm, I'm afraid it's already starting. With so many people are taking insulin or medications that cause release of insulin in the body, the incidence of type 2 diabetes is, in, is going to be increasing. In already, people with type 2 diabetes have 50% higher chance of developing pancreatic cancer, liver cancer, colon cancer, endometrial cancer. So, Oh, that is shocking. Yes. So asking questions, becoming educated, and I appreciate the approach that you take and that you're writing about this as well, Dr. Pudahil, that we can learn this. Uh, it's, it's as though we really are in a classroom, and, and it's all about our life. So we owe it to ourselves uh, big time to, to learn this and to question. Everybody has to take responsibility for his or her own body. You cannot give it to a doctor because doctors are trained to treat numbers, just like A1C. If the A1C is below 7, the doctor feels he has done his job or she has done his, her job. But what happens if you take insulin, your blood sugar goes down. Where does that sugar go? So it's not expelled from the body, does it? No, it is not. Absolutely not. That is what we are led to believe, and the doctors are not correcting that. That is the problem. If you st look at it, most people, when they st soon after starting insulin injections or a medication to, to release insulin in the body, start gaining weight. So what happened to that glucose? The liver converted that into fat. But the blood sugar is normal, so the doctor has done his, his job or her job. You, we need to ask the diabetes educator nurse or the certified diabetic educators, where did that sugar go and what is the role of insulin and cancer? What's the connection between insulin and cancer? Every person who is taking insulin or a medication that causes release of insulin in the body has the right to know. Oh, absolutely. But we don't even realize that we should be questioning this because we put such faith and trust into that medical profession, our doctors. And, you know, not to say that they're, they're wrong all the time, but, but questioning is just to get a better understanding. Correct. This has been going on for the last 90 years. So it has become accepted. In medicine, it should not be just because it is tradition, it should be scientific. It should, there should be evidence. There should be mechanism. There should be measurement of the mechanism. If there is resistance, you should be able to uh, measure the level of degree of resistance. There is, have you ever heard of a test for me measuring the degree of insulin resistance? 
Uh, no, but I wouldn't say that I would be an authority. But is there such a thing? No. No. Okay. Because there is no such thing as insulin resistance that they can demonstrate with a mechanism. Yeah. Without having a mechanism, how can you measure it? Right. Oh, uh, such a huge area for questioning and learning. So let's take a moment and mention your website, Ways to Connect and Learn More uh, About This for Ourselves, Dr. Pudahil. My website is drjohnonhealth.com. And I will urge the uh, listeners to look at three animation videos, 10 minutes each, one on obesity, how do you develop obesity and what to do about it. Second, on type 2 diabetes, just like what I just said, in animation form, in visual form, you can understand. The third is, why are we having so much incidence of increase in cancer all around the world? Everybody, everywhere in the world, people say improper diet and lack of exercise. How can a diet be improper all around the world? How can children have increasing incidence of cancer? Are they not exercising enough? If you want to understand, all these animation videos are on my website, drjohnonhealth.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. Excellent. So here we're giving the all the tools in order to become more informed and be able to then take better control of our lives. We have to be in charge of our body. You, we need to understand if the doctor is saying something, prescribing something, exactly what is expected of it and how does it work. That is what every person needs to know. Now, you, you mentioned cholesterol. That's another hot topic area that we keep hearing about. All these medications that are there to help us to control our cholesterol. So l- let's give some time to that topic. Okay. In July, I just found the reference, May 28, 2019. The federal government published a data in the journal of British Medical Journal, Open Diabetes Research and Care. And what they found was, while the number of new cases of diabetes among U.S. adults keep falling, while the obesity rates are climbing. And the lead author was interviewed on CBS News by the anchor, Ms. Rita Nainan, and he could not explain this phenomenon, this disparity between increasing incidence of obesity with a declining rate of type 2 diabetes. Now, I just explained why diabetes can happen if your fat storage capacity is filled up, right? Yes. Keep that in mind. Now, so that is it. Now we will go back to cholesterol. I just wanted to uh, bring that other reference into the picture. Okay. Now, what do you know about cholesterol? Well, we have good cholesterol and bad cholesterol. Okay. The American Journal of Clinical Nutrition published a study in 2019 that red meat and white meat does not make any difference in terms of cholesterol level. Okay. Now, you mentioned good cholesterol and bad cholesterol. 
tell me what is good about good cholesterol. What, what good does it do? Well, recently I heard that, that if you have better numbers of good cholesterol, it can control the bad. Is that accurate? Cholesterol is just a molecule. How can one molecule control another molecule? Hmm. Uh, the study that I referred to, the American uh, Journal of Clinical Nutrition, was published this month, 2019, June. Okay? Now, the cholesterol, good cholesterol, is called HDL. It is called good. You know why? Because it does not do any harm. Okay. That's it. Now, can you call a person a good person if he does not do any harm, or does he have to do something to call himself good? Well, what, you what would you think, think the second. You know, somebody right. needs to do something to be good. Right. But HDL doesn't do anything. It does not control LDL or the bad cholesterol, called bad cholesterol. So, now, the liver produces cholesterol. Cholesterol is needed. Or by every person, every animal, every human being needs cholesterol. Okay? Uh-huh. Now, do you know what cholesterol is used for? No. 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 Cholesterol is a fat, but it is not used to produce energy. It's a construction material, or more uh, specifically, it is insulation. If you don't have cholesterol on the, or inside the cell wall, you will lose water, you will lose heat from the body. Mm. So you can become dehydrated, and in a cold climate, you can be frostbitten and lose your toes and fingers and all that. That is what cholesterol is important for. So as we get older, if we are not producing new cells in the body, we need less and less cholesterol. But by that time, we get used to a certain way of eating, and we back in more cholesterol into the body. And when the liver produces cholesterol, the cells have to know there is cholesterol outside. The liver puts it into the bloodstream. The blood takes it to every cell. There is a construction going on. The cell, if it needs cholesterol, it will put out a protein marker. And you know which cholesterol sticks to the marker? The so-called bad cholesterol, the LDL, because that has got a sticking point. It sticks to the marker. The cell can pull it in, use for construction. Okay? Yes. Now, if there is inflammation in any part of the body, especially inside the blood vessel of the heart or brain, that inflammation means there is damage to cell. New construction is going on. There will be a lot of markers sticking out looking for cholesterol. And if a large number of cholesterol molecules stick to those markers, then platelets get trapped in there, and pretty soon you have a plaque, and you have a blockage. That is how you get heart attack or stroke. Now, even vegetarians need cholesterol. By the way, cholesterol is strictly an animal product. No plant produces cholesterol. Only animals do. According to this study, whether the volunteers, whether they ate red meat or white meat in equal quantities, their cholesterol production was exactly the same. Now, let me ask you a question. If I give you one pound of lean meat and one pound of fat, which will have more cholesterol? 
Well, we would think it would be the one with the fat. Correct. That is what you would think. But you would be wrong. Wow. Because, as I said, cholesterol is used for the cell wall. Fat is just a big box or a depository of triglyceride. That's not cholesterol. It is packed with triglyceride. Only the cell wall of the fat cells will have cholesterol. Whereas in a lean meat, whether it is white meat or red meat, that cell walls are made with cholesterol. So for pound for pound, the meat will have more cholesterol. So this is why red or white makes no difference because based on the number of cells, the number of cell wall, that is where cholesterol is. Whether it is white or red makes no difference. So when you are eating that, your cholesterol can go up based on the quantity of white meat or red meat you consume. However, if you eat more saturated fat, your liver can produce cholesterol in a hurry because human liver is a very efficient cholesterol-making platform or machine. All you have to do is to provide the saturated fat, it will make it make cholesterol. Even those who don't, make, who don't eat saturated fat very much, the liver can convert glucose into fatty acid, saturated fatty acid, then to cholesterol, and that is how people make more cholesterol if they are a vegetarian, for example. It's so fascinating and, again, so critical to our life, to our good health, to really embrace this, to understand it and learn more. Let me ask you one more question. One You take a cholesterol-lowering medication, let's say a statin. Where does the cholesterol level goes down? Where does that cholesterol go? Hmm. Well, we would think it's somehow excreted from the body. Well, there is no outlet for anything fat from the body. The only outlet you have is through your kidneys, and in order to take anything out through the kidney, you have, it has to be water-soluble. Once, this is why fat stays in the blood, clogs up the arteries. So when you take a medication like statin, all you are doing is preventing the workers in the liver from performing the construction of cholesterol. But the raw materials that you put in are still in the body. That is why long-term users of statins and that kind of cholesterol-lowering medications, they develop type 2 diabetes because the glucose that would have been used for cholesterol construction now will stay in the blood. So is there a natural way that we can control this without turning to medications and absolutely absolutely this is why i have suggested this how to prevent it in my first book called eat chew live because the all thing is to not to put the raw material into the body now if i have two minutes i'll tell you about the raw material okay around the world 50 percent of the food energy that people consume comes from grains. That is in the developed world. In the developing world, 70% of the energy, food energy, comes from grains. And I say grains were never meant for humans. Nature didn't mean to produce or uh, grains for humans. Otherwise, we would have had beaks. <laughs> right? Right. 
to pick up grains or we don't have the ability to digest the chaff. Yes. But because of the green revolution, the agricultural revolution and government subsidy, grains are the cheapest way of feeding every person in the world. That's the cheapest food available. When you consume grains, glucose is absorbed into the body. And that glucose that is not used before the next meal, the liver will process it into fat or cholesterol. And that is what is causing the problem. So if you don't put in the glucose into the body through eating grains, then you are depriving the liver of the raw materials to produce cholesterol. Your energy intake from grains like rice, wheat, and corn should be less than a third of total daily energy intake. Amazing. And it's way out of kilter then. Correct. Right. That is all you have to do. You don't need medication. It makes it so simple and long-term so much healthier than using some sort of synthetic, and which really doesn't do anything to help us. Correct. Right. And it can... It can give you a false sense of security. That's the major problem. When you take insulin, your A1C is down. When you take a cholesterol-lowering medication, your numbers go down. You rely and you feel good based on numbers without thinking what actually is happening. That is where we need to educate the people and people like you bringing this up and discussing it. And I'm thankful to you for even spending this much time and educate, trying to educate your listeners. And they have a responsibility to ask questions, because if we don't ask questions, doctors don't have to answer. Well, you've given us two incredible tools. First, the information and how to find that information. Second, to be bold and ask questions so that we have that understanding and then we take charge. Correct. So let's mention the website once again, because that's where we're going to get a wealth of information. DrJohnOnHealth.com Fabulous. Well, we could spend so much more time, but with the limitation, I think you still gave us a wealth of information. Dr. Pudahill, I am so grateful. Thank you for your time and your work. Okay. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure.